Hello everyone and welcome to another exciting adventure at the Hub World. Today's quest will have us covering the topic of Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel. My name is Mateo and today our party members are... Gino and Jules. Whether you're joining our adventure from YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to give us a like or a follow. Now, let's get this adventure rolling. So, it's going to be our first traditional episode in a while. So we're going to be doing icebreaker, housekeeping, all that stuff. Just getting back to some semblance of normalcy around here. So, Jules, would you uh, be so kind to pull a topic out of the hub hat? So our hub hat has decided that our icebreaker today will be if you could see one Marvel and one DC character fight, who would you most like to see? Well, my favorite Marvel character is Daredevil. So who would be a good opponent for Daredevil in the DC universe? And I think Batman is the obvious choice. I feel like Batman's the only one who would feel comfortable beating up a blind man, considering he beats up the mentally ill all the time. Yeah, Batman's the obvious one, but I would go with Nightwing, just because I feel like, you know, Nightwing has the acrobatic ability that Daredevil has, plus he also uses two Eskrima sticks, similar to what Daredevil uses. So I think those two would be a better match head-to-head. So I'm going to go with Nightwing versus Daredevil. I kind of want to take a bit more of a funny approach, and I'm going to go into like more like obscure characters. I would like to see Detective Chimp from DC go up against Howard the Duck from Marvel, just because I think it would just be a just a funny situation about how that entire thing could happen. I don't know anything about either characters; I just know that they exist, and it would I think it would be funny. Fantastic. You want to see sentient anthropomorphic animals fight each other? Yeah, why not? Well, I think I have to go with I want to see Marvel's greatest hero go up against DC's greatest villain. And of course, when we're talking about DC's greatest villain, I'm talking about Warner Bros. And Marvel's favorite <laughs> greatest superhero, I'm talking about Disney. And I think we already know who would win that battle. But on a serious note, I don't know. I've been really into the mystic side of both Marvel and DC lately. And so I'd either like to see like Doctor Strange versus Doctor Fate or like Zatanna versus Scarlet Witch. Something along those lines. Some kind of mystic battle. I've always really liked mystic DC. But they haven't really represented it well in anything outside of comics and animation. So, But there's a lot of untapped potential. There's so many really great characters. And some of these characters, like Zatanna and Doctor Fate especially, are way more powerful than I thought they were. So those are two really good choices on DC's side, Jules. That's it for the icebreaker. So now we'll start with some housekeeping uh, before we get on to the main topic. So... There's actually a lot of stuff that's happened lately. Anyone want to take the floor and and start? Uh, Yeah, I can start. So we should talk about this Switch stuff that's been coming out lately. As of the day we're recording, Nintendo's, um, what do you call it? It's the financial year briefing. Annual briefing? Money people decided to get together and talk. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, On the, like, obviously on the bigger side, we have that, Nintendo Switch has officially outsold the Nintendo Wii as Nintendo's highest-selling console. Is that their highest-selling mm-hmm. period, like including handheld? No, it's behind the game, like directly behind Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and then the best-selling period for Nintendo is the DS. I thought so. Okay, but mm-hmm. still, either way, like the fact that it surpassed Wii is incredible. Like mm-hmm. such a feat, especially coming off of Wii U, and then on top of that, they kind of released some of the sales numbers for some of their big games. So like Metroid Dread is the best selling Metroid game in the series, which I mean, wasn't hard to do, but I don't think it's officially yet, but 
it will very, it, very, very yeah. soon. I thought it was. I thought that they had said it. By the way, like it's there, right? And it's no surprise because it's Switch, right? Like we know that that's going to happen because everything sells well on Switch, and clearly because it has a big install base. So that's a big one. The other big one is Legends Arceus, which you know we're going to talk a bit about Legends Arceus in the coming weeks in two different podcasts. But that being said, like just to give those sales, like Legends Arceus is the fastest selling switch game since animal crossing or is it faster than animal crossing in japan it's the second fastest selling game for switch and that's recorded from january 28th to january 31st which is a big deal because i mean i don't know about you guys but i was worried that legends arceus wasn't going to sell also i was worried legends arceus wasn't going to be very good which we will again talk about soon but it's crazy because like i'm glad that it's selling this much because I really, really like the game. And we'll get more into this, of course, when we talk about Legends Arceus and the Legends Arceus dedicated episode. But, like, to give you just a taste, like, I think this is the freshest Pokemon game we've had, like, literally ever. Like, yep. since, like, the originals. Like, it's crazy how surprised I am by this game. And the fact that it's selling that much to be in Japan, the second fastest sw- selling Switch game behind Animal Crossing means that at least in Japan and maybe hopefully worldwide, it might actually beat out Sword and Shield. And Sword and Shield right now, I'm pretty sure wasn't it the best selling Pokemon game or one of them? Yeah, actually, I just found this right now. The official Nintendo of America Twitter said they've already sold six and a half million units for pokemon legends arceus and brilliant diamond and shining pearl actually has sold 14 million units and that's already number nine on the switch's top 10 best-selling games list crazy it's like insane and like what's nice about that too and like what i actually think did happen with legends arceus is i really do think like of course pokemon sells either way but there's pokemon games that don't sell well right like look at pokemon mystery dungeon and things like that right like they don't sell great but I really do think what helped this game was the fact that it's everywhere. Like, it's all, mm-hmm. like, I can't open TikTok without seeing this game. It's all over Twitter. Like, everybody is talking about this game because, like, sure, there's criticisms. Sure, there's people who don't like it. But the vast majority of critics and fans are just blown away. And I'm so happy that it's selling because that makes me feel like even if we don't get, like, another game like this at least some of the things from this game might come back and that's mm-hmm. exciting also going to knock on wood because you know every <laughs> good feature that game freak has ever introduced into the series they take out the next generation so we'll see let's hope that doesn't happen this time around yeah please. but um so the switch is actually i think on pace to, to be the all-time best-selling console period like by the end of its generation if because nintendo said again the switch is probably halfway through its lifespan by the end of its lifespan i don't think it's crazy for it to sell 50 million more units around there because like you know nintendo does hardware revisions and stuff and they'll lump that newer switch in or switch pro whatever you want to call it if it happens in with the switches numbers and it'll boost that that would be huge honestly nintendo goes from rock bottom from the wii u to potentially the best-selling console of all time There's a lot of really good information to come out of Nintendo's fiscal year 2022 briefing. So if you want to read businessy, boring stuff, you can go on Nintendo's website, download the PDF, or or I'm sure there's a million other videos that really delve deep into it. But good news for Nintendo. So 
Next up, I actually want to talk about Peacemaker. Yes. Gino and I have been watching Peacemaker. What a surprise this show has been. Like, I wasn't really that excited for it going into it, seeing the trailers and what they showed at DC Fandom. Like, ah, I was going to watch it. But like, I ended up reading somewhere. Peacemaker was the number one most streamed show in the world. It did better than Book of Boba Fett. It did better than The Witcher. It was the number one most watched streaming show. And for a little show on HBO Max to do something like that. James Gunn and John Cena really struck gold with that show. It's so funny. The odd like DC Easter eggs that they have sprinkled everywhere there are such great touches. And the acting, and like, it's not just John Cena. Everyone is on the same level as John Cena. Everyone is just laugh out loud funny. Every joke for the most part hits. And there's so many crazy threads and plot lines that are in that show that are all really being woven together really nicely. And I just can't recommend it enough. The show is so good. It's so funny. It's my favorite show on right now. It's the thing I look forward to the most every week. Sounds like I should watch. 100% you should watch. It's so good. I think there's two episodes left. I feel like every episode that we watch of Peacemaker Mateo is important. And like, there's no dead episode. There's no dead time. Like I know for, for instance, I'm going to, like, I don't mean to like disrespect uh, the book of Boba Fett, but I feel like the first, I want to say three episodes could have been just mashed into one episode and the same amount of story could have happened as much as I love all the stuff that's been happening and like the, the backstory for the sand people that we've been getting and stuff, it hasn't paid off. And it was just, it just felt slow and out of pace. While in Peacemaker, every minute counts. Like, the show respects your time, and you are rewarded, essentially, for watching it, right? So, Our last episode, we talked about the Microsoft Activision acquisition, but Sony came out with an acquisition of their own. And no, this is not reactionary, because these deals take months to broker. But surprisingly, Sony acquired Bungie. Bungie, famously known for being the creators of Halo and Destiny. So they have legacy with... Microsoft and Activision, for better or for worse. It was for, I think it was $3.6 billion. So half, roughly about half of what Microsoft spent on Bethesda. Just very quickly, what are you guys' uh, impressions of the deal? So I think Joe put it best when I talked to Joe about it. Like us trying to make sense of all that's happening with Bethesda and Activision and now Bungie. And he really like harkened back to like a quote that Phil Spencer said after they acquired Activision, which is, our threat isn't the competitors. Our threat are the major corporations like Google, Apple, and Amazon. And I really do want to believe that these acquisitions are a way for Sony and Microsoft and companies that have stakes in the game industry who have been in the game. Like at this point, like Sony and Microsoft have been in the game industry for as long as Nintendo had been in the game industry when they were like the known game company like joe put it very well when he basically said like i don't think they're trying to compete with each other i think they're trying to band together to make sure that none of these like great developers like bungie or activision like end up getting bought out by companies like google and amazon and apple who will try to get their feet wet in the gaming industry and run these companies into the ground to make a buck because at the end of the day while sony and microsoft of course every corporation is built around money they do have a sense of care for the industry as well. Like not every decision they make 
is about how much money can we make off of this one thing. There's like a vision, there's something beyond, right? Like they care about the sustainability of the whole industry, not just the selling of a single game. And I, I really just want to believe that with how Microsoft and Sony have kind of both committed to, we have now acquired these companies, but our intention is not to remove exclusives from our competitors. And like, of course, that might change to certain degrees, but at least their commitment now makes me want to believe that this is a good thing for the industry, that this is them protecting themselves and protecting our like core game publishers, and that ultimately it will benefit us as gamers. And I actually think that should Apple or Google or Amazon try to enter the gaming sphere, I think it's more likely that that's when Sony and Microsoft pull the like exclusive card and be like, Call of Duty is exclusive to only Sony and Microsoft platforms and Google or Apple or Amazon can't have it. As a Destiny fan, with Sony buying Bungie, it realistically isn't going to change anything for Destiny players. Knock on yeah, wood. It really, it really is. My one hope is that they don't revert back to the days of when Destiny 1 and 2 first launched where they had content that was exclusive to PlayStation platforms. Because in a cross-gen world that we live in, in Destiny now, that will just kill the game. It will. If gear that is exclusive becomes meta, or if really good content like strikes and PvP maps are exclusive to one platform, that could just really kill the flow and the balance of the game and just fracture the player base. So, And it, I felt very reassured by this with both Bungie's post and with PlayStation's post, is that Bungie is going to stay pretty autonomous from Sony and continue as is. And it's basically, this is just, Bungie is basically going to be using the money that they got paid by Sony to hire new employees, staff up, and polish Destiny, get a new IP going, whatever. It's going to expand the studio and make them bigger than they've ever been before. So at the end of the day, this is a very good acquisition for everybody. So... I'm really looking forward to Bungie's future. Bungie going to Sony is a good thing for the company because I know for a while Bungie has been talking about them wanting to explore more options and they don't want to be just a video game company anymore. They want to get more into like storytelling. Maybe with because uh, they they have the backing of Sony now because they're part of, they're going to be part of the same company. Sony has the movie division. They have their TV shows division. And maybe that's how they can put, okay, maybe there might be like a Destiny movie or there might be like a TV series or or something along those lines. And I feel like this partnership makes a lot of sense in that regards. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited to see what goes forward. Honestly, echoing what Mateo was saying before, if if they start making content and like exotics and weapons and stuff exclusive again, the majority of the Destiny players are playing on PC and it would be like taking a step backwards if they make th- make content exclusive again to the Sony platforms because then like you're just alienating like all of Xbox and all of PC. I had one other housekeeping thing. It's just very quick, but I believe it was yesterday. Might have been two days ago. One of our favorite indie developers, Yacht Club Games, responsible for the massive hit Shovel Knight, announced their first post Shovel Knight game. Like, that they have developed, um, not just, like, one of their branch teams. It's called Mina the Hollower, and it's almost like a Zelda-like, like a 2D Zelda-like game, and it looks really good. 
the music is very similar. Like, honestly, when I was listening to music, it just sounded like more Shovel Knight, which is fair, like probably the same composer. But the game looks really cool. And I'm glad they're doing something other than Shovel Knight, their next game. And it looks really cool. I'm, that's all I want to say is I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I heard about that. I actually haven't seen the trailer yet. But did they Check did they out. mention anything about uh, when Shovel Knight Dig is coming out? Shovel Knight Dig is scheduled to come out in 2022. but Yeah, because we demoed that game in 2019 hey i deviled king knight dlc for like five straight years at pax okay <laughs> like it took them five years to get that expansion out i don't think shovel knight dig is coming anytime soon they're also not developing shovel knight dig like they're technically quote-unquote co-developing it but let's be real yeah, fair I don't enough. Think they're really really developing it so the last thing i've been doing is and this is a good segue into our actual topic is uh, i've been watching the final season of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX that never came out in North America. Uh, I got a Crunchyroll 75-day free trial from uh, Xbox Game Pass. So I decided just to use that and finally watch the final season of Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. I've been enjoying that. It's a real change of pace for the series. It's a lot darker. And it explains, I guess, why Jaden looks a lot different in the Yu-Gi-Oh! Bonds Beyond Time movie that came out. And, like, people in North America had no idea why he looked so different because uh, we never got that final season of GX. But the big thing that happened, and I sort of foreshadowed this uh, for the last two episodes, is that Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel released on consoles and on Steam. And eventually it'll come out on mobile in North America. It's on mobile everywhere else in the world. And we've been having a blast playing it. Yeah, it's been sort of put on the back burner because Pokemon has come out, but... That game is going to be a mainstay for me. It's the battle sim I've always wanted for Yu-Gi-Oh! And it hasn't been without its controversies, and we'll get into that. But I think in general, the launch before the end of Season 1, so like the first two weeks of it, were really good. We all got into it pretty hard, and it was a blast. And we've actually been posting... I think we have one episode at the time this goes up. Just some duels we've been doing. It might be a series, it might not. We'll see how it pans out. But we're all having a blast building decks, dueling against each other, opening packs. So just in general, what do you guys think of Master Duel? I like Yu-Gi-Oh! And I liked it when we kind of got back into it when we were in high school. And, you know, I enjoy it. But as somebody who just hasn't been able to keep up, with it because of how much it costs and while i played some of the games like this was refreshing like what really pulled me with the game like what ultimately like really captured me was that the economy was very fair and sustainable mm -hmm. and it allowed me to create decks such as like i made a tune deck which i was very excited about because i always wanted to make a competitive tune deck and it didn't feel like they were just giving it to me but it also didn't feel like I had to like put in money or whatever. Like it felt kind of earned, and it was really fun. And I I really liked the, how the game functions. Like it feels like what a Yu-Gi-Oh simulator should be. Like it's it's really good. I I was really impressed by it and how much I got into it. When I first opened up Master Duel, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go build this deck, and I'm gonna build this deck, and I'm gonna build this deck. Like, cause in real life, I have Cyber Dragons, Cyber Dark. I have a Machina deck that I use. I have a Harpy deck, which I'm currently playing online in Master Duels, and it's very, very fun. Um, you might see that later on in the the Duel series if we continue with it. But I I jumped in, 
And I was only able to make one deck right off the bat <laughs> because I made the silly decision of I'm going to build a blue eyes deck because it's meta and good. That's a big no, no, <laughs> everyone. I fell into that <laughs> trap. I wanted to build a meta deck instead of building like eight fun decks. I have maybe like three that I can play right now. But in all honesty, though, when I'm playing my Harpy deck online against other people, no one expects it. And I just go in for a monster that has 10,000 attack on the second turn and I instantly win if the opponent's monster doesn't have 2,000 attack. Like the thing I really like about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel is it launched in the exact way that I expected it to, whereas I figured they're not going to launch with all 10,000 plus cards. I think there's just under 7,000 cards. So people were saying they're at least six months or so behind in terms of new releases. So there's room to grow there. There's going to be events. There's going to be other cosmetics and things coming in the game, and it's going to grow. And that, to me, is really exciting. But on the other hand, there's a lot of things they need to fix in the game. Oh, yeah. I'll get into <laughs> the the fallout af after the, the first season concluded, but just a few things that I personally would want them to do in the game. The decks I play, I really like playing them as a turn two deck. So, like, I play... Destiny heroes, I play just regular heroes, Ancient Gears, Crystal Beast for fun, or Neospatians for fun. Like A lot of those GX decks are my favorite decks to play in Yu-Gi-Oh! But the thing with me is that I don't always want to play on the first turn. But the problem is playing online against everyone, you're playing against decks that lock you down unless you go first. So you're put in this impossible position to kind of screw your strategy up just to get an upper hand on your opponent to go first, and then it just isn't fun. And all the duels plan out the exact same way. I'm using the exact same strategies because I need to get that upper hand. The ban lists in Master Duel are actually different in the card game. So like, well, both formats in the card game, actually, it's kind of a weird hybrid and it doesn't work. Max C is a card that if you send it to the graveyard, you, you get to draw a card for every single time your opponent special summons a monster. I'm not used to playing against that in the TCG, but in Master Duel, you have to sort of take that into consideration. Maybe I don't do as much as I do because then my opponent gets an advantage. It's just, there's a lot of different things I have to do in my head to like readjust. This is going to kind of evolve and be its own thing outside of the TCG. And that is exciting to me because then you can have games in Master Duel where you can maybe do tournaments with like previous Yu-Gi-Oh! formats. And that's actually something in the data mine that I want to talk about later. But there's a lot of different avenues that we can kind of see that they're going to be taking Master Duel into through the data mine that are very exciting. And well, just another thing to to add a little bit here as well, Mateo, just um, one thing that I'm really enjoying right now playing online, at least in the lower ranks, like not so much in like gold and platinum in the, the online rank duels is that people are building a lot of rogue decks and a lot of like not meta things. Like for instance, Giuliano plays a, a tune deck. Nobody plays tunes, at least in the world of like meta Yu-Gi-Oh, where everything's like Drytron or Tri-Brigades and yep. things like that, right? I play, I'm playing Harpy Lady. You have Crystal Beasts. Like you don't play against decks like that. Like I went up against a Battery Man deck a little while ago. I haven't seen Battery Men since like the GX era. That's like 2006 mm -hmm. to 2000, I want to say like eight or End nine. of 2008, nine, yeah. Yeah, like, and just seeing all these old cards again and like having them readily available i guess that's like the one big thing that master duels does correctly is it makes old strategies readily available and very 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 cheap 
Mm -hmm. Like from like, you can spend $0 in real life, just play the game and have fun. And you can have a, a battery man deck. You can have an Atlantean deck. You can have volcanics like in real life. If I wanted to go and build a volcanic deck and because they're super old and not in print anymore, they get expensive, right? Like new sets. Okay. They're not in the game just yet. Having those newer cards kind of just like holding off you can kind of play older strategies but like it's not the newest stuff either so it's like it's mm -hmm. this weird hybrid in between kind of middle place i like it but i really wish that i had my majestic shooting star dragon <laughs> i'm missing a few hero cards but they, they'll be yeah. added and i think they'll be a big deal when they add new packs and new archetypes and new sets yeah. and things like that so as long as they keep destroy phoenix enforcer out of this game for a little while longer <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I need him. Yeah, the thing is, though, they have, like, weird stuff banned, too. Like, okay, Dragoons is banned in Japan. It's not banned here, but it's banned in Master Duels. Maxi is not banned in Japan. It is, ban it is banned here, and we're allowed three of them here as well. Like, it's kind of this, like, in, like going back to the ban list again, it's this weird mishmash. It's chaos. The other thing that is sort of in the news, and it's actually very relevant, and I'm kind of happy we held off our discussion for Master Duel is that there's actually been a little bit of a controversy already. And it's the game hasn't been out for, what, it's been three weeks? And this we already have... Week. This is the third Yeah, week. we already have a controversy. But essentially, the ranked season ended. I actually finished Platinum 5. Uh, Gino, I think, did as well. So if you reached Platinum rank or Gold rank, you would be demoted back down to the previous tier of ranks. So if you were finished in Platinum 5 through 2, you'd get demoted to either... Gold 5 through 2. If you were in the gold, you'd be demoted to silver. But if you finished in Platinum 1, you actually don't get demoted. So that was very controversial because, you know, there's a lot of gems to be had in ranked. And gems are the premium currency that you use to buy packs to improve your decks and whatever. And the crazy thing was, is that you'd be demoted maybe 5 ranks. You barely get any gems. And if you're among the best duelists in Master Duel in the Platinum 1 tier, you don't get demoted, you don't get any gems. So the only way to actually get to lower ranks, and this was going, this was rampant online, and I, I played a few times online where I would just have my opening hand before I did anything, my opponent would surrender. People would literally surrender and take the loss to get demoted so that they could earn their way back up and get gems. And you can't have that. It was really bad for the the ranked duel play, because like the, again, as you were saying, Mateo, during the last the last few days of this first season, and it was a short season too, it was only two weeks, the normal ranked season would be a month. The most efficient players, after they got all the way up to the Platinum Rank 1, they would just use, again, a really basic dumb deck, surrender out of matches as quickly as possible and get all the way get demoted all the way back down to rookie because when the next season turned over you could earn up to like 17 1800 gems that's like almost 20 card packs in this game it's a thousand gems for 10 packs and you get a guaranteed super rare in it and a lot of people are saying well this is unfair this is uncompetitive because you're gonna have all of these like meta players playing against new players and people coming back into the game absolutely destroying them like okay you're gonna have a new player using normal monsters against like okay yep. here's xyz and here's uh, a bunch of link summoning they don't like the first turn is going to take 20 minutes to set up and the new players are going to get screwed 
because they don't know how to counter all these strategies. They're not prepared to counter all these strategies. And if they lose enough, they're going to be, screw this game. I'm going to go play another game that respects players' like time commitments. And to Konami's credit, they addressed this issue really, really quickly. The demotion system is not going to work the same way anymore. And they're actually going to be rewarding players that finish in the high ranks now. Like, if you finish in platinum or in gold, you will be getting your currency that you would get if you had been demoted to silver. Like you get all the silver and gold gems that you would get there so that you actually do get, I think it's something like 600 gems or something like that that you can actually use to buy stuff. So it's, they're also going to be giving everyone that has participated in playing the game up to that point, some sort of in-game collectible or whatever. But they didn't have to really address the gems situation at all. I was honestly surprised because a lot of companies just put the game out and let it be. But they have a lot invested in Master Duel. This was a anticipated release for the community, and they needed to get it right. You can't have a controversy this quick into the launch of your game because you don't want your players to, to be all out in a huff and leave. So I'm very actually relieved that they addressed because I was under the impression that, you know, you get to a rank... You get your currency, then you go all the way back down, you work your way back up. I think I would have even preferred that. But then you would have had, again, like all these like top tier Platinum 1 Super Meta decks going up against players that are brand new, and that's not fair. But lastly, just to conclude our Master Duel discussion, there was a data mine. It being a digital game and all, there, and there's already been, I think, one patch. We have uh, info to discuss a lot of it is just the general cosmetic things, right? So profile icons, your icon frames. Some of the profile icons include Mecha Phantom Beast, Draco Sack, and Judgment Dragon. Ooh. Yeah, and Monster Art. You, we have Dengirsu, Sky Striker, Ace Kagari, and then potential for Access Code Talker, Elemental Hero, Honest Neos, and Shooting Quasar Dragon, among others. And then some mates, like the little guys that hang out on your board. We have Instant Fusion, Book of Moon, Scapegoat, like the pink Scapegoat, Shard of Greed, and my favorite that I'm going to want to get, uh, Moki Moki. <laughs> Big Moki fan Moki. of Moki Moki. And then we'll have just like new fields, new field parts, per card sleeves, things like that. They found data for four more solo mode stories, Lightsworn, Mecha Phantom Beast, Heralds, and was an archetype I don't really recognize because I'm not really into modern Yu-Gi-Oh as much as classic Yu-Gi-Oh. But the main thing is the events and what they're going to be sort of steering the game and the online modes of the game forward is they're going to be doing cups. And there's data that was found for these cups, including uh, restrictions on what cards you can have in your extra deck. So three of the cups include the Xyz Cup, which you only can use Xyz monsters in extra deck, the Synchro Cup, which is you can only use Synchro monsters in your extra deck, and the Fusion Cup, which you only can use Fusion monsters in the extra deck. And there's two more cups that they found data for. They're calling it Beginner's Classic. And the description says, Vintage cards are all the rage. Enjoy an, an environment that's different from the standard. So to me, that seems like it's probably going to only be like Tribute Summon Monsters or fusion summon monsters that's it and it might only be like the original sets of Yu-Gi-Oh that are available to be, actually be used in these duels 
and like you can play different formats like you can go back to basically 2005 where you're not going to play games that are going to be done in the first turn or the second turn you're going to have long epic games of Yu-Gi-Oh that like those are the ones that I'm most nostalgic for those are the best games we've had are the ones that have ups and downs and momentum swings and things like that. Jules, as a bit of a veteran Yu-Gi-Oh fan, how would you like that kind of stuff? If I'm being honest, I don't think I'd care so much. And I think that's just because it's been so long since I've really played Yu-Gi-Oh as it was back then that I think I'm okay with what's been happening now. I think honestly what, for me as a veteran Yu-Gi-Oh fan, what I've been very invested in is the fact that they gave a lot of support to a lot of like original anime decks right like you can have red eyes decks and blue eyes decks and dark magician and harpy decks tune decks like i made a relinquished deck and i made two god card decks and sure like not all of them are necessarily like competitively viable but everything still like is decent like there's enough there that you can have a good game and i think that's ultimately for me what was the major pull of the game is that I can use some of my favorite cards that I remember as a kid and it's not just some crappy deck. The type of games that we play, we don't play meta. Like we don't run Ash Blossom. We don't run Nibiru. We don't run Called by the Grave and like all of those like super meta like hand traps and spell cards or anything like that. Just because we feel like they're not fun. Like mm-hmm. it just inherently like prevents you from having those big epic moments it's like you're not gaining anything by using them you're preventing somebody else from having that moment and i know like when you're in a tournament environment and you're there to like be the best and like win but like when you're playing against your friends ash blossoming their combo when they want to do this one really big cool combo isn't fun It's like, this is a bit of a hot take. Like, hand traps ruin the game. Like, there's a lot of, like, meta cards that just, like, prevent things from happening. Like, even cards like Skill Drain, where it's like, okay, no no monster effects. It essentially makes everything a normal monster. Okay, I get one summon. It it stops the game from progressing. Like, you need some card abilities and some spells and stuff, right? Two more quick things to cover in this data mine. They're actually going to be adding a tournament mode to the game. It says 50 players can compete for in this tournament and each duel will grant you either 200 points for a win 100 points for a draw or minus 100 points for a loss you're going to want to rack up the highest score possible among these 50 players and you're going to be given rewards for first second or third and basically to have other ways to earn gems or cards or something like that Uh, and i think they did something similar in duel links if i remember correctly And then the last thing they're adding is an exhibition mode. Oh, thank Christ. Yes. You earn another currency in exhibition mode called medals. And basically, medals can be redeemed for items. And even if you lose, you'll still earn medals, which is very comforting. And then you can even use loner decks. So you don't have to actually own the cards. But if you win an exhibition with your actual deck, you will earn more medals. So hopefully that means basically, if I don't own some crazy amounts of ultra rares i can just use that deck and even though i won't earn as many medals i'll be totally fine with that like there's some decks that i really want to play in Yu Gi Oh that i just don't want to 
like blue eyes like once again blue eyes is a crazy expensive deck to build you need a crazy amount of materials to craft the cards and all the cards are high rarities whatever just use a loner blue eyes deck yeah, you don't get as many medals, but you can have fun that way. So that's basically it for the data mine. I have a bit of a question to actually to post it to both of you guys here right now. What is one change that you would like to, to make to Master Duels to like that you think would make it more fun? I still think when we first started, we got gems like crazy. And I totally understand that that's the beginning of the game. They want to get people invested, whatever. But the amount of gems I've collected in the last week or two, I want to say, it's basically been nothing. And the data mine kind of addresses that they're going to add ways to get more currencies or, or whatever. I don't want the game just to feel like a chore that I have to do every day just to get my sign-in bonus or watch a duel, things like that. I want to be invested. I want to play this game. I don't want it just to feel like how like I check my Xbox rewards once a day or play Pokemon Go once a day. I want this to be a, a bigger deal than it is. So if they make gems more readily available through other modes that they add to the game and grow the game out that way that's my one change i would do maybe to the crafting system as well but i'm sure one of you guys will talk about that yeah like i do want to see changes to the crafting system where it makes it more affordable like i don't think i need more gems i think the gems are fair but i think if the crafting was a little more fair and there was like an upgrade system where like i can translate so many rare into super rare and so many super rare into ultra rare or even just like when you do dismantle things, you get a little bit more or you need a little bit less to craft. Like, so I think there needs to be some balancing there. But I think what I want out of the game, ultimately, to make it more fun, and I know that this is not something everybody would want. In fact, I think it's the opposite of what a lot of people would want. But I want to see more anime stuff. I'm sure that will happen eventually. I yeah. really do. Like the Millennium items as like the buddies and stuff on the side. That would be cool. Not even like that. Like I, I mean, like I'd love for them to incorporate them into the solo mode somehow. Because right now, if I recall correctly, all of the solo modes uh, archetypes, in, even including the ones in the data mine, those were not in the shows. So they could probably devote a season or something, just say, of new solo mode additions to each series of Yu-Gi-Oh or something like that. I think that would be really cool. Similar. Like, I don't know about, like, replaying events, because that's been done already in other Yu-Gi-Oh! games, but maybe even, like, a continuation of the story or, like, side stories or something like that in the solo mode would be really cool. One thing I would like for the solo mode, actually, is one thing that I thought that solo mode did very, very well was it kind of, like, explained some of the card lore. Like, for instance, it explained... And there's a lot of really cool, like, on, like, lore videos and stuff for some of these Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. Like, for instance, the story of Gaga Gigo. Like, that little water alligator dude that gets progressively more and more evil as time goes on. Or, like, things like the Warrior of Zera or the Six Samurai. Like, I would love for them to, like, instead of doing just, like, this, like, one intro cutscene and one outro cutscene, scene let's follow the story of the six samurai and make it like the last event in the solo mode has like three or four different i'll call them tiers something mm -hmm. like that but for six samurai where like okay you're following the story of the original six samurai then it goes to the secret six samurai and then you go back to the legendary six samurai or things like that like there's a lot of lore and stuff that Yu-Gi-Oh has just based on the art of the cards and the names of the cards not even in card effects or anything like that you, you get all that story just from like the one picture and it's really, mm -hmm. really interesting. And I, th I think that that would be a great way for them to like continue showing appreciation that the artists have put in over like the past how many, what, like 20 something years? 25 years. And again, echoing what Jules said, like the crafting system, 
or even just like have a, a store option where I can just buy materials. Like, okay, let me buy ultra materials so I can go and get the cards that I want directly or convert gems into those materials instead of doing like an RMT kind of thing. I think we covered a very good amount of stuff for Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel just in general. I'm having a great time with it. I'm really looking forward to how the game grows in the next few updates. And I'm very curious to know how many people actually stay with it because I know that's being streamed like crazy and there's a big player base. So how much of that is based right now in the opening wave? If you are even remotely open to playing a really good card game, Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel is fantastic. There's such a low barrier of entry. I really recommend it. Just don't play it on Switch, though, because it runs like garbage on Switch. Oh my god, please don't. (laughs) Yeah, it's real bad. Unless you enjoy hurting yourself. Jules is actually having a really, like, decent time. Uh, What are you doing? You're doing the PlayStation Connect? Yeah, PlayStation Remote Play to my laptop sometimes. I try to play on my PS5 when I can, but sometimes I want to play in my room, so I'll remote play it to my laptop and it's been fairly good so uh gino would you do the honors of doing the outro that brings us to the end of today's quest if you liked what you heard today hit that like subscribe or follow button on your platform of choice if you want to contribute to the conversation let us know any ideas for any upcoming quests or just share your thoughts leave us a comment in the comments section below let us know what we got right let us know what we got wrong we do read every single comment And I want to thank everyone that's uh, joined us this past year, whether you've been with the podcast from day one or you're just uh, tuning in for the first time right now. Uh, Thanks for being part of the journey, and we look forward to providing a bit of entertainment for you in the future. So yeah, uh, that's it for us here at The Hub World. See you next time. Microsoft, make a new banjo game. Bye. Get your game on.